Welcome to the Sydney Ideas podcast series. Sydney Ideas is the University of Sydney's public events program, providing you with the opportunity to hear leading thinkers from our university and around the world. Enjoy the podcast. Before we begin this event, I would like to acknowledge and pay respect to the traditional owners of the land on which we meet. The Gadigal people of the Eora Nation, it is upon their ancestral grounds that the University of Sydney is built. I'd like to welcome you to this Sydney Ideas event. My name is Robin Gibson. I'm the Deputy Head of School in the Sydney School of Education and Social Work. Just to give you a rundown, we're going to have our keynote with Genevieve Clay-Smith and also she's accompanied by Ricky Kemmer. Genevieve is an award-winning writer and director and the co-founder of internationally acclaimed not-for-profit organisation, Bus Stop Films, which has been operating for over a decade. She began her filmmaking career in 2007 as a documentary filmmaker, working with Down Syndrome, New South Wales. During this time, she formed a desire to create films Inclusively, inclusively, in 2009, after winning Tropfest with her first inclusive film, Be My Brother, a film made with crew members with and without disability, she co-founded Bus Stop Films, an organisation dedicated to providing accessible film studies program for people with intellectual disabilities and pathways to employment. So Genevieve will be speaking in a moment but I'd also like to introduce Ricky Kemmer, who is an emerging filmmaker currently studying the Accessible Film Studies program at Bus Stop Films. Since starting with Bus Stop at the beginning of this year, Ricky has been involved in various filmmaking projects. He recently finished co-directing a documentary called What Was It Like? a short film which explores the language medical practitioners use to inform parents about their child's di diagnosis of disability, and in many cases, the negative impact this language has on families. He recently secured an attachment program with Taste Creative and has been working on a variety of commercial film projects with the company. Could you welcome Genevieve, who would like to address you this evening? Thank you. Thank you everybody so much for coming to uh, my presentation. Very exciting to be able to share um, my work with you all here today and give you a bit of insight into how I've been doing things over the last decade to hopefully encourage you in your own um, professional lives, in your own study, in your own work uh, to be uh, as inclusive as possible. So I want to talk about transforming the film industry through inclusive filmmaking, which has pretty much been my goal for the past decade. It has been to give people with disability access to filmmaking in order to tell their own stories authentically and to represent their experiences authentically on screen. When I was 18, I learned that we all have an opportunity to make a difference through being inclusive. So, at 18, I got my very, very first filmmaking job with Down Syndrome New South Wales. I was very excited 
because as a uni student, you know, <laughs> any work is amazing. And when it's something you really love and want to do, then that is just the, you know, the tops. So for my first filmmaking job, I got the chance to work with Down Syndrome New South Wales and document a program they were running called the Up, Up and Away program. And basically what that program was designed to do was help people, uh, six people that were part of the program with Down syndrome, achieve life goals through establishing a circle of support around them. And what the circle of support looked like was basically just family members, anybody in the community around, um, you know, it could be the greengrocer up the road that somebody knew or the local hairdresser that they had a relationship with. And they'd invite these people to dinner once a month uh, to hear about their dreams and goals and then find out who in that circle of support could help them achieve those dreams and goals through the capacity that they had, you know, the opportunities they had in their hands at that time. So at 18, I started to witness, you know, these six people and their families create these circles of support. And I started to witness just everyday folks giving up time, resources, giving opportunities to help people achieve their dreams. So for instance, one woman who joined the program, her goal was to move out and live independently by the end of the program. And so people in her circle of support started offering up cooking lessons or, you know, they'd say, well, on a Thursday afternoon, I've got some time. I'll teach you how to catch the bus. Or someone else would offer to teach her how to shop. And slowly but surely, over a period of time, through everybody just chipping in, in doing what they had with what they had in their hands, this woman became independent and was able to move out and live independently. Another example from the program uh, was a young man, his dream was to go to work every day like all the other businessmen and wear a suit and tie, you know, travel into the city every day like all the other businessmen and have a job in the city. And so somebody in his circle of support just so happened to know uh, the head of HR at a large accounting firm uh, in the city. And so had a conversation with this person. And he said, you know what, why not? I'll take this to the CEO. Took it to the CEO, had a conversation. They said, let's just give this guy a go. And so this guy got his job going to the city every day wearing a suit and tie like all the other businessmen in his accounting firm and, and you know, was there as a, to help with data entry and to help with the other accountant's workload. And so I started to witness this incredible, um, you know, this incredible social impact structure of the circle of support where people were just doing what they could to make a difference. And for so long, I used to think that making a difference and having an impact was all about going completely out of your way. You know, you'd have to go on a trip to build a well somewhere or go to the soup kitchen and that's what making a difference looked like. But as I started to learn more about, you know, what it means just to give time or an opportunity, I started to realize that you can make a difference in a very powerful way simply through being inclusive. And I learned that, you know, helping someone learn how to cook a chicken schnitzel was just as impacting and, and powerful as anything else that you can do. And it's just about being inclusive. And so I started thinking to myself, well, what do I have in my hands? How can I make a difference? 
and I had a camera. <laughs> and so I would um, notice after filming, this is me and Shona. Shona was one of the documentary participants. Um, we're sitting there together after a bit of filming. And I used to notice that the documentary participants were really interested in my camera and they'd always ask some questions afterwards. And so I started to kind of stay back after I'd finished filming and just teach people how to frame up a shot, button on the camera, you know, just give a bit of time to teach people what I was really passionate about, which was filmmaking. And um, little did I know that this simple gesture of teaching people how to use a camera would go on to be a decade's worth of work 10 years later. But it was the simple um, just offering off of time and the joy of filmmaking and giving that to someone else. And I, I started to learn that, you know, it wasn't that difficult to, to make an impact in someone's life. Anyway, going through this program and documenting any, everybody, I started to become very, very aware of how people with disabilities in our society are disabled by attitudes, mostly, more than anything else. I started to realise that, you know, the only reason why, you know, one of our doco participants couldn't get a job of choice was because other people just wouldn't give him a go. And I started to realise that when people prejudge what someone's capable of and don't give them an opportunity before giving them the chance to show what they're capable of, we actually rob, rob that person of their chance to reach their full potential. And I started to realise just how much of a big issue we have as a society in terms of exclusion and not allowing people to live their very best lives and reach their full potential. Anyway, about halfway through this documentary program, I, um, I met this man, Jared O'Dwyer, and uh, he came in late to the, to the documentary. Uh, filming, you know, he came in late to the Up, Up and Away program that Down Syndrome New South Wales was running. And so Down Syndrome New South Wales said to me, can you go and meet Jared and find out if he'd be good documentary talent, you know, just see if it's worthwhile bringing him into the, to the doco at this late stage. And so I said, yeah, sure. So off I went to meet Jared. And anyway, I learned very, very quickly that Jared was going to be a very, very good documentary talent because when I knocked on the door and to his house and he answered me, he didn't say, oh, hi, how you going? Come on in. Welcome, welcome. He opened the door and said, but soft, what light through yonder window breaks? It is the east and Juliet is the sun. Arise, fair sun, and kill the envious moon. And the rest of it, you know. <laughs> he knew the entire balcony scene from Shakespeare's Romeo and Juliet. And as I got to know Jared that um, afternoon, I found out he didn't just know Romeo and Juliet. He knew he knew he knew soliloquies from The Twelfth Night, Midsummer Night's Dream. He also knew Frank Spencer quotes. He knew The Lion King as well. He knew so much. Um, he knew so much dialogue and he, his, his zest for performance and his charisma and talent was just exploding out of him. 
And so I left his house that day feeling ecstatic. I mean, how often do you get Shakespeare recited to you? I mean, never. <laughs> Just get someone opening the door and telling you you like Juliet. It's great. Um, but as I left, I also felt this pang of injustice because Jared was so talented. And at that point, now this is just over 10 years ago, I looked around at our cinematic landscape on television and in movies, and I saw no representation of disability, none. Um, when people were, when people with disability were represented, they were often um, actors without disability, playing characters um, with disability. So it was, an ab uh, it, was, it was kind of a very ableist view of, of what a, an actor with disability could do. You know, people are, are thinking, oh, well, they have such low expectations of people with disability, they're not even casting actors with disability in roles that they would bring their lived experience to. I, I saw that, um, you know, there was no pathways for people with disability to be included behind the scenes, and I thought that was problematic. And so I saw my industry for the first time and being a female filmmaker, I also was awakening to the gender prejudice as well in the industry too. But I just saw that this, this industry was so incredibly exclusive. And I thought that is so wrong because this is the industry of our stories, of our stories, everybody's stories. And everybody should have a right to see themselves represented on screen. And so when Jared turns on the television and sees no one else like him, what message does that send to him? When you turn on the television and don't see someone like yourself reflected, what does that say to you as a person that you don't matter, that society doesn't care about your experience and who you are, that you're invisible? And I started to comprehend this idea that perhaps the inequality that people with disability face in society is is a result of the fact we simply don't share their stories authentically. We just don't see that experience on screen. We don't have access to understanding, to getting into that other people's skin and truly knowing and, and feeling what life is like from that point of view. We just simply don't have access to another point of view. So I got really, got really angry at the industry and frustrated the fact that you know, Jared couldn't, was finding it difficult to get his foot in the door with getting an agent. And, you know, I, I, I wanted to do something about it. And I thought back to the circles of support, you know, well, what could I do? I mean, I was an unknown 19-year-old uni student filmmaker making a low-budget documentary for Down Syndrome New South Wales with no credits under my name. Nobody knew who I was. What could I do to make a difference in this massive film industry? And I thought, well, I can make a film. <laughs> so I got together with Jared and we co-wrote a short film together called Be My Brother. And then I wanted to do something else. I didn't want to just have Jared star in the lead role. I wanted to make this film with people with disabilities as crew as well. I thought, well, you know, even though it's a uni student project, because I, I mean, I had to make this film for my end of year uni student project and I was... I was inspired by meeting Jared and I thought, well, this could be my end of year film. But even though I'm just a uni student, perhaps, you know, I can 
affords some opportunities for people that don't get the chance to come to uni and learn about filmmaking. And so I put a call out and I said, hey, if you have disability and you've never had the chance to study at uni and study filmmaking and you've never had the chance to be on set, then let me know because I'm making a film, would love you to make it with me. And I got around six people that came back and said, that, that sounds awesome. I held a workshop in a friend's living room, just teaching the, these folks about on-set protocol, about you know the different roles that they'll, they'll do on the day. And then we all came together, a crew of people with and without disabilities, Jared in the lead role. We made this short film called Be My Brother. And in 2009, that film ended up winning Dropfest and Jared won best male actor and it was an amazing it was an amazing experience and you know winning that um award it it made me realize that we'd done something really special we'd smashed some pretty intense stigmas that people with disability face in society that really stop prevent people from fully participating in the workforce socially in the open housing market, even in healthcare. You know, people still lack equal access to quality healthcare. Can you believe it? And I, um, I realised that we'd smashed the stigma that, you know, well, people with disability find it hard to access employment of choice because other people think, well, it's just going to be too hard to include people. It's just too hard. I was 19 I included around six people with disability on a film set. I didn't need any special qualifications. I just treated everybody with respect and asked them if they needed anything on set to ensure that they could equally participate. I just asked the question, how can I help you participate? It's really not that difficult. Imagine if more workforces said that. How can we help you? Or imagine if more workforces actually saw making reasonable adjustments in the workforce as an investment rather than a drain on resources. Because statistically, people with disabilities stay in their jobs far longer than anybody else and they have less sick days and most statistically the most reliable employees that we have. So, you know, if, if you have someone that needs a reasonable adjustment, see it as an investment. The other stigma that prevents people from fully participating and, and engaging is that it's going to compromise on quality. Well, it's going to compromise on quality. Well, we just won Tropfest, so we must have made a good quality film. You know, it didn't compromise on quality at all. And another, another stigma is that it will slow things down. When we made Be My Brother, we finished an hour ahead of schedule. And to this day, after a decade of facilitating inclusive film sets and after seeing over 350 people with intellectual disability engage on professional film sets, working alongside co-workers, other filmmakers without disability. I have never seen one negative consequence to inclusion in some of the most toughest of circumstances with so much pressure, a film set. I've never seen one negative consequence. I've never had one complaint after a decade, a decade. So at that point, I wanted to keep doing this inclusive filmmaking because I felt like it was important to do. At this stage, I should tell a quick story. So I was starting to get this idea for Bus Stop Films, Bus Stop named after the bus stop that Jared and I filmed Be My Brother at. 
and I was starting to have this idea of access to equal education, you know, providing an accessible film studies program that people could go to and forging um, these inclusive film sets that would make these short films that people could, you know, get experience on and then forging pathways to employment as well. All of this started to bubble in my in my soul and psyche and I, I got a little bit of funding, $2,000 after making this film to make another short film that I wanted to make it about the tragedy mode of disability. So you might have heard of the social model of disability where that is the most empowering way to view disability when we view disability as, um, you know, an issue that society creates. So, you know, you, you might not feel if you are a person with disability, you might not feel disabled until you're, you know, faced with a flight of stairs, the stairs are disabling you, or you might completely have the ability to do the job, but someone's attitude is disabling you by them judging what you're capable of before giving you the chance to show them what you're capable of. So this is the social model of disability. And I wanted to explore the, this, this idea of tragedy because this tragic model, because people view people with disabilities as you know, tragic victims of their circumstance, which is so not true. I had so many friends with disability who were not tragic. You would not classify these people as tragic. But yet at that time around 10 years ago in the dictionary, when I looked up disability, it actually had tragedy in the description of disability, tragedy. And I remember scratching my head going, that's not right. That's not right. My friends aren't tragic. They've got boyfriends and jobs and, you know, they're shit together. So part of the French, but I didn't, I didn't, I just did not, having relationships with people and friendships, I just did not, it didn't compute. And so I wanted to make a short film about that. And um, I went and had a, a, an interview off the back of Tropfest with a very powerful film industry person. And I was um, really excited. I thought, oh, this could be a big break moment, you know, for my career and maybe they might support me. And, you know, I sat down and they said, okay, what's your next project? I said, oh, I'm going to make this film about the tragedy model of disability because this is what I found in the dictionary and this is not what my friends are. And, you know, this is what I've been doing for the last two months with Down Syndrome, uh, two years with Down Syndrome New South Wales. And, and I have this idea for Bus Stop where we're going to, you know, have these workshops and people are going to make films together and then we're going to get them jobs. And I painted her the whole picture of the dream and her face just, just went like drained of blood. She just went white and her jaw dropped. And she looked at me and she said, quote unquote, I'll never forget it. She said, you're going to make another film about Downs? You are going to ruin your career. You will just be known as the girl who makes films about Downs people and no one will ever hire you. That's what she said. This was a very powerful and influential person in the film industry around 10 years ago. And so I was kind of faced with a crossroads moment of, all right, maybe I should take her advice and kind of climb the ladder as you usually do, go get a DA job in a production company somewhere, just work my way up, do commercials, and then eventually, hopefully, fingers crossed, at some point in my lifetime, I'll make a feature film if I follow the ladder. And then I thought that I've got this burning desire over here and I have so many friends now and I just can't look away at how unfair our industry is. I want to do something about it. And so after some soul searching and a few tears because she made me feel really crap, um, 
I chose to co-found Bustop Films with my producing partner, Eleanor, and we haven't looked back. Um, and so Bustop is, as I mentioned, now 10 years old. These are just some photos of, of our programs. We have made over 25 inclusive film programs. We have three film studies programs at the Australian Film Television Radio School. We're about to start four next year. We have a program in Wollongong with the uh, University of Wollongong. We have a program that we're starting in Canberra. We've just started, we've had our first few workshops and we're, we're doing um, uh, all year next year in Canberra. And we even have a program running in Mongolia. I got back from Mongolia a few weeks ago where I helped them make their first inclusive film. And honestly, the goal of Bus Stop, we have three pillars. And as I've mentioned before, it's access to film studies education, access to mentorship and social opportunities to meet other filmmakers, to make films with them, and access to employment pathways. And we've been able to place people in jobs. We've been able to get people employment in the film industry. We now have partnerships with Endemol Shine and Fremantle where we're getting people jobs. We had a few students get a job um, on MasterChef this year and Survivor. And, um, and Ricky, who will come and chat in a minute, he'll talk a little bit about some work that he's also got as well. Um, one of the best things about uh, making the different films with the students is that, you know, we make, make these films and we, we, we want to get them out there. They're usually films that have messages about you know, dismantling prejudice around disability and preconceptions and whatnot. And, um, you know, when we send the films out to film festivals, they, they get in to all these different film festivals. So we've sent over 50 students to film festivals around the world to introduce the films at Q&As, even receive awards on behalf of the company. We sent a student to Toronto International Film Festival um, a year ago where she participated in talking at the festival um, about inclusive filmmaking, Toronto International Film Festival. As of next year, we'll have 105 students studying our program. Um, so it's just kind of uh, been a really amazing journey and we've now got plans to be in every state. So um, the program is governed by a curriculum with KPIs and, and uh, you know, we have key aims and outcomes that we seek uh, to see manifest in the lives of our students. Not only is it, um, you know, the increase of knowledge about craft skills, about, you know, making films and learning, you know, film studies subjects, but we also see seek transformational outcomes in their lives as well, such as increased literacy skills, communication skills, work-ready skills that are transferable to other industries and um, increased sense of confidence and well-being as well. Uh, so our curriculum has currently 16 subjects to study, uh, but we're adding to it. It's a, it's a curriculum that's alive and it continues to develop and we're adding two subjects to it this year because we've just finished our first stop motion program and our first virtual reality program. So some of our students actually shot a VR project on the weekend, last weekend. So we're adding stop motion and VR to the curriculum as well. So it's constantly growing and evolving. Um, just some quick statistics from Bus Stop. Um, 
But I do want to just um, look at the quotes, particularly the one from one of our students. So this student is a man with Down syndrome, and it's a quote that I've just always latched onto and I love. And it says, it's my passion, my motivation, my interest, and film really intrigues me. I want to keep learning more. Now, the reason why I love that quote so much is because we underestimate people with disabilities so much in society that they get barred from so many opportunities. And one of the things that I think society underestimates people in is the capacity and love of learning, the capacity to learn and the love of learning. And this man loves learning. All the students that we work with adore learning, adore being able to be in a classroom and have conversation and dialogue and criticise and analyse film. And, um, you know, we have, I think, if anything that you get from this talk is to be aware of the prejudice of low expectations of people with disability. Um, our curriculum is based on a key value that we always have high expectations of our students. We always have high expectations. There's no such thing as I can't, it's I can or I will try. There's, we, we believe that they can do it because for so often in their lives they're told that they can't do it or they from birth being told that they'll never be able to do this, this or this. And so we want to come in as the voice that say you can and we believe in you until you can. And some people even get robbed of the opportunity to fail. And failure is everybody's right. I've had, I've had times where um, I've had to advocate for one of our students to get a job at a large camera warehouse. So he was working somewhere that he really didn't like. Uh, and, it, you know, it was a medical institution, institute, like a, like a hospital or something. Um, and anyway, he didn't like it. He didn't like like it at all and and we had an opportunity to get a job for one of our students at a camera warehouse and so we jumped at the chance and they actually wanted to hire him the organization that was in charge of of his job at the medical place and that is in charge of his you know making sure that he's happy with work pretty much put up the fight to stop him from getting this job of choice and it took eight months plus helping his mum to leave that place in order for him to get the job of choice at the camera warehouse where he's still at three years later because they kept saying he can't do it. He just can't do it. He can't do it. They have tick boxes. Well, you can't do this and this and this. And I remember being on the phone to them saying, are you in class with this man every single week? Do you have a relationship with him outside of just having a piece of paper with some tick boxes on it? Do you have any form of relationship with him at all? Have you had coffee with him? course not. They just have the industry, you know, out there, I don't think has people's best interests at heart sometimes. And they all, that accompanied with society's low expectations ends up barring people from, from opportunities that will help them really get ahead in life. So over the last 10 years, the goal has been to transform the industry, the film industry, this wonderful industry of stories, our stories, through providing education, through creating short films, and through advocating as well. It's an online curriculum that our teachers can access. 
And it's, we're going through development to also make it student-facing so people can do some online study as well, which is really exciting. The writing of the curriculum took two years, and I had the amazing support of Professor Robin Ewing, who actually is a professor here at Sydney Uni, to help me write the curriculum over an 18-month period. Um, and I also had the support of the Australian Film Television Radio School as well, which was really an amazing, um, an amazing task to undertake. As I mentioned, we make films with our students and we send them to festivals around the world in order to make sure that they're seen as the filmmakers. And it's a really incredible thing to see our students go to a festival, participate as filmmakers on the grassroots level, answering Q&As and being there in the industry because people are there as part of the film industry saying, oh, you're here with a professional film that's worthy to be in this festival and you have disability. That changes mindsets from the grassroots. That's a, a, a key part of our advocacy, as well as putting on events. So um, December 11th, we have our showcase. Uh, you, can, you can find out a little bit on that online if you want to come and see what the students, our filmmaking students have made this year. But every year we showcase the work and we do our best to put on advocacy events to communicate to industry about the importance of authenticity in terms of representation of people with disability and other marginalised groups in our film and television industry. Some behind the scenes of people uh, that have had employment. So just quickly, Digby here, um, who's actually an artist quite well known, um, but he started the program with us at Bus Stop over six years ago. And in 2013, um, I got the chance to make a commercial, a television commercial for the Special Olympics. And it was the first um, TV like commercial project that I'd been running the workshops and I was able to get Digby and another woman, Robin, paid employment as our production assistants and have been building this inclusive employment model ever since um, to show to places like Endemolshine and Fremantle, hey, employing people with disability in film production is possible. This is how we've been doing it. So began um, in around 2013 after a few years of running the workshops regularly and developing the curriculum um, and, and starting to piece that together and training people was, was able to start employing people on professional uh, film projects and pay people, which was a really exciting moment. So at this point, I actually want to give one of our current filmmakers, Ricky Kremer, uh, the chance to come up and share his experience and talk to you about uh, inclusive filmmaking from his perspective. Come on up, Ricky. So to me, inclusive filmmaking, it's all about, um, for me, I find is just giving everyone equal equality and recognising their achievements um, it's really important for that because then you learn all the potential and the skills that you have, um, as well as being treated with the same respect as anybody else. In terms of working with Genevieve and with Bus Stop Films, um, they don't really look at the disability, they just see you for who you are with a bit of assistance. So um, we feel as if, you know, we 
don't have any concern about our disability. So they, they mainly just focus on your skills and what you bring to the table mainly. In terms of bus stop films helping me, it's increased my confidence in learning um, different skills, working on camera, uh, working on the production side of things, making sure everything's running on time and um, things like that. And um, from a social point of view, um, you know, I've made a lot of friends. Uh, they're really great to work with. And, um, you know, everyone just has a great time. So I've never been like an artistic person. I've never been great at drawing or anything like that. But I've found with bus stop films, I've been able to uh, let my creative side out in terms of directing, production work, camera work, just seeing things from a different point of view and just being able to, um, you know, use that real creative side. When I was working with Genevieve, we were working on a a documentary uh, called What We Were Told. And it's a series of different, it's a series of interviews with students and their parents. And we talk about what it was like when we were born um, with a disability. So, uh, we talk about the experiences with the doctors, physios, and all the other allied health professionals. Um, it was quite a was quite difficult because we had to talk about a lot of very personal stories, but I think um, everyone did a really great job and they um, really achieved something really great. So there was a particular moment when we filmed it. Um, Genevieve let me direct a few scenes and there was a moment where it was just me, her and the camera crew and they were shooting one scene and then after that scene, she approached me and said to me, oh, Ricky, what, um, what do you think about this, doing this scene? So for me at first, it was a bit, you know, a bit nervous to do my own scene, but um, I felt like that was, you know, that moment was the fact that she had that belief in me and the confidence to shoot my own scene, um, I feel like, you know, there's, as time goes by, that will be something that connects us both, you know, every time I watch that, that film. And it just gave me such a clear idea um, that this, this is the industry I wanted to go into and just keep developing more and more skills and, um, eventually be a fully-fledged filmmaker. So Genevieve um, found she's just been an amazing tutor. She has so much passion for what she does. Um, always 
just very down to earth and willing to um, have a chat about any ideas or anything like that. And I'd just like, um, you know, keep on doing bus stop films because there's just so much potential for people with disabilities out there. Okay, that was fantastic. Thank you. Welcome. Yeah, Ricky and I, um, plus uh, seven other filmmakers, um, made this documentary that Ricky was telling you about in order to help really challenge the way medical practitioners, other OTs, you know, people that are, are working with new parents or parents with, with children that are going through a diagnosis um, process to really challenge the language that is used around diagnosis and delivery of information. Over the last when I first started, I've heard so many stories of parents that have, at some of the most vulnerable points of their life, being given doomsday reports about their children. And these reports don't add up to the people that I see in front of me, the adults that I see. And I can see just that pain that it causes families. And it's been something that has been something I've, I've really felt passionately about doing for a while. And then we bust up, got an opportunity to make a, a project. It was going to be a, just a one-off five. We had funding for five workshops plus the film shoot. And so we put a call out to our cohort and said, this is the doco we want to make. Put up your hand if you want to be a part of it. So we got, we got um, eight students. Ricky was one of them who were willing enough and brave enough to say we want to share our stories and each person directed their own scenes with their did their interviews they created their own questions and when we were shooting b-roll footage they directed that and it was a actually the the weekend we shot that was really quite quite spectacular like everybody was it was just an incredible culture of support on set people were so brave and people were taking ownership and growing their advocacy, um, which I think helps in the healing process as well, going through that, becoming an advocate for your experience so other people don't have to go through that kind of thing. So it was a very special project. So we will be finished that by the end of the year, which will be great. I want to quickly show um, a case study of how we make an inclusive film. So very quickly in the last 10 minutes, probably go a little bit over. I'm very, very sorry. But um, there's a film that we made called The Interviewer. It's done really well. It's been seen by over 35 million people around the world. I want to quickly share a case study of this so you can kind of get a sense of exactly what does this inclusive filmmaking look like? How does it all work? So to do that, I want to quickly show you... Uh, oh, yep. So The Interviewer was made of four 40-week terms. That's how our program is run. Um, sorry, four 10-week terms, 40 weeks all over. No, <laughs> I could see everybody kind of go, what? <laughs> so four 10-week terms. We follow the school terms, and so it's 40 weeks all up. Um, out of our 16 subjects of study, we combine these different subjects in order to help us get a film project at the end. 
So for this particular um, film, our first term was mise-en-scene. So we learned the basics of the craft of filmmaking. And this is usually the first, um, the first subject that all our students learn at Bus.Films is mise-en-scene and symbolism in film. We then move on to term two, which is script writing. Okay, so depending on the type of film we make, we make documentaries, we make narrative fiction films, we make experimental films, music clips, depending on the type of film, um, it's created and scripted in different ways. For a narrative film, we came to the point where we realised we needed an outline first, we needed the story first, just an outline, and then we can teach the students how to write the script based on an outline. So we had the outline, a one paragraph outline of the interviewer, and then we did script writing workshops in class where we projected, I projected final draft up on the screen and we wrote it together and we had mock interviews and people created the dialogue and they chose the names, they chose the setting, they chose the backstories and we discussed all of this through our script writing program, our script writing classes. Um, Term three is pre-production and production. This is the fun part. So this is where we bring all our industry mentors in and we work with top-level film industry mentors and, and, and people. So we bring, you know, the camera operator who operates operates on like Mad Max, you know, we'll bring like the top notch people into our classes to teach and buddy up with the um, new filmmakers because it's a two-way in terms of learning, you know, our students obviously learn from their skills, but then our filmmakers learn how to be mentors and then they take that experience back out into the film industry and talk about it and they become advocates for inclusion. So we bring those people in, they talk about and teach about their roles in the industry and we have meet and greets and we get to know each other before going into making the film, which only is only over a day or two days, you know, at, at the end of the day. That's how long a shoot goes for. And then term four is post-production. So we bring in an editor to go through all the rushes with the students. They pick best takes. We take students to places like Big Bang Sound Design, where they do the sound design of Great Gatsby and, you know, Mad Max. And they show them how you do sound design and what Foley is. And we learn about editing techniques, like what a match frame is and what a montage is and, you know, all of it. We, we look at music composition and how music helps to guide audiences emotionally and what kind of music should we have? And we have open conversation and dialogue about this and students make choices together as the cohort. And just to let you know, this year I did achieve turning bus stop films into a well-oiled machine. After 10 years of voluntarily running the organisation as the CEO, I was able to hand over the reins in July to our new CEO, Tracy, who has been doing an incredible job. And I'm still on the board, but we're seeing the program expand and do exactly what I hoped it would back in 2012 when we made that film. So thank you. If we could have uh, Genevieve and Ricky, we'll have a few questions. I know we're running it over time. I might just start us off. Um, You've spoken and demonstrated the transformative power of filmmaking. It's transformed people with disability. It's transformed people without disability. So 
what can we do? It's a good question. What can everybody do? And I think it comes down to what I learned all those years ago when I, for, for me, and you jump in when, whenever you want to, Ricky, but um, it is about working out what can I do right now with the capacity I have I mean, for me, I saw a gap in our film industry. I saw a problem with it. Can you see problems in your workplace? Um, what's the culture like? Is it exclusive or is it inclusive? Um, can you have coffee with someone who's being excluded? You know, I think it is about um, just working out what can you do in your immediate circle of influence to ensure that nobody's left behind. Yeah, and I think it's it's all about just getting to know someone with a disability. Um, and once you actually get to know them, you can move, you know, you don't even think about whether they have a disability or not. So I think that's important. I agree with that. Having relationships with people is so true and sustainable relationships. Yeah. Uh, valuing sustainable relationships is uh, is a really important part of it. Maybe that's a really good point to to end this session end this session on unless Genevieve or, or Ricky want to make lasting <laughs> concluding I think, comments. I think you should have the final say, well, Ricky. Well, I would say that um, you know, with bus stop films you do feel very empowered and they just let you take the reins. So um, it's not like it's they hold your hand and just um, do everything for you. So um, I think that's probably the best part about it. Yeah. Can we thank both Genevieve mm -hmm. and Ricky? Thank you. You were fantastic. Really, really great. Thanks for listening to the Sydney Ideas podcast series. For more information about our upcoming events or to listen to more podcasts, head to sydney.edu.au forward slash sydney underscore ideas.